So, hi. Let's not act like today is just another day, another sup, you beautiful bastards. Hope you're having a fantastic one. Very few of us are, because tomorrow, the days that follow, the weeks potentially that follow will be some of the most important and defining in many of our lifetimes. An election where, as I've said in the past before, and I do not care if it results in a lot of dislikes or unsubscriptions or, or anything, I think is Donald Trump versus democracy, which I will admit is a sentence that several years ago I would have called ridiculously alarmist, but then the last few years and notably this year happened and there are too many things to list. And so if you are someone that would like to not see Donald Trump in his position of power, but you know, you're feeling somewhat confident because of the polls and maybe even complacent because of the polls and you have not voted yet, do not feel that way. Polls have a margin of error and they do not take into account the types of voter suppression that we are seeing attempted here. Whether it be Republicans in Texas trying to get over 127,000 votes invalidated or Republicans in the Trump administration fighting to make sure Pennsylvania does not start counting ballots until election day or instances like we saw over the weekend where you have a Miami-Dade post office completely slammed with ballots. There are concerns. Are these actually gonna get counted? A federal judge has to get involved. This following a Trump loyalist being put in charge of the USPS. And so I say vote like Donald Trump has his finger on the scale. If you can still vote early in your state, then vote early today. If you have not returned your absentee ballot yet, do not mail it in, go return it today. And if you are voting in person tomorrow, go make a plan today. And know your rights while you're at a polling center. If you show up to the poll and there are questions about your eligibility to vote, you still have the right to cast a provisional ballot. If you have a disability, you have the right to vote with accommodations and extremely important because we are very likely to see a ton of this Tuesday night. If you are in line when the polls close, stay where you are. You still retain the right to vote when polls close if you were already in line. It doesn't just disappear at 8 p.m. like the clock striking midnight on Cinderella. Simply put, election officials should process everyone until that line ends. And in a lot of states, even if you are not registered to vote right now, you can actually do it same day. I'm talking key and battleground states like Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, Nevada, New Hampshire, Wisconsin, as well as, and these also matter because there's a lot of important stuff happening in your state, in your counties, California, Colorado, Connecticut, District of Columbia, Hawaii, Idaho, Illinois, Maine, Maryland, Montana, Utah, Vermont, Washington, and Wyoming. And while, like I have done this past year, I'm linking down to voter resources down below for any information you need. If you are going to register tomorrow, in general, you will need to bring your ID, proof of residency, and vote in your home precinct. There are some exceptions here, but I'm just trying to keep it simple. Once again, resources down below. Right, and also, in general, you can register to vote at a polling station, but if you live in Hawaii, Connecticut, Michigan, Montana, or New Hampshire, then there are restrictions on where you can and register and where you can vote, with it usually being a designated location like your county clerk's office. And to maybe that dumb voice you have in your head that's like, what am I gonna even matter? Let me remind you that in 2016, Donald Trump became president because of 80,000 people across Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. The only thing you should believe when it comes to this election is yourself. You have power here. So many people in positions of power are going so far out of their way to make sure you don't utilize that power or if you try and use it in a, in a way they deem illegitimate that it's not counted. And ultimately where I'll end this intro is for everyone that tries, thank you. Also, I want to make it clear uh, that even though I, I hate Louis DeJoy and I'm disgusted by what we're seeing him do to the postal workers of America, Thank you, I cannot imagine how hard life is for you right now. Oh, and also I feel like there's a huge uh, point of education that is needed and we've been hitting it over the last few months. Please be wary of anyone calling any states incredibly early on. This is not a regular election and once again, 
efforts have been made in key states like Pennsylvania to make it so the vote count does take longer. And that is incredibly significant because it's states like Pennsylvania that may very well decide the election. And until those states are fully counted, we will not know who won. This despite some people, including Trump and his campaign, basically saying that ballots counted after election day are illegitimate. But here's the thing, and let me be absolutely clear. While there have been tons of legal battles over ballots that arrive after election day, there has never been any basis whatsoever to say that officials cannot finish counting ballots that arrived on time, even if that count goes beyond election night. In fact, no single state fully counts their ballots on election night, and some places won't even start counting until polls close. That is not new, that is what normally happens, even without a historic amount of ballots being sent by mail. And that is why these efforts by Trump and his campaign to undermine the counting of ballots is so insanely unprecedented and scary. Counting legitimate ballots is not stealing an election, it is not flipping an election, it is democracy at play. But yeah, and I guess uh, depending on who you are and how you've received this section of the show, thank you, I love your face, and or uh, goodbye, it's been great having you. Then briefly in non-election news, let's talk about this story involving Kendall Jenner and honestly a, a list of celebrities that is so long, including the likes of Justin Bieber, Doja Cat, Paris Hilton, The Weeknd, so many more. And this because there has been massive backlash because Kendall Jenner threw a massive birthday slash Halloween party and reportedly invited at least 100 people. And like we've seen with a lot of these celebrity and influencer parties, you have a ton of people so close together, no masks, no social distancing. And in addition to the backlash, we saw a lot of people tagging the mayor of LA or the governor of California saying these celebrities should face fines. Many pointing out that in a lot of places, kids couldn't even go trick-or-treating this year out of fear that they could further spread the virus. Now, with all that said, we did also see reports that guests had to take a rapid test before entering the event, but you also had people noting that those tests are known to be less accurate. You also had others upset because it appeared that Kendall knew this was a bad look, with people spreading photos of a media warning that was reportedly at the party, reading no social media, take all the photos you want, but please do not post on social media of any kind which if real is really interesting considering that her family did not even follow those rules. One of the big key things here is you actually have people pointing to a boomerang from the event. You see Kendall blowing out her candles as the waiter who's one of the only masked people there holding the cake tries to lean out of the way. It's like the COVID version of that scene at a parasite. And ultimately what I'll say is with a story like this and understand there were a number of other influencer parties, there's so many names, and at this point you kind of know them, I end up finding myself agreeing with Simply Nailogical, AKA Christine, who yesterday tweeted out, people aren't just mad at rich slash famous people for having unsafe parties. Many have testing and are screening guests and so on. People are mad because the luxury of being able to do exactly that and go on with life and party with friends and family is exactly what most people can't do safely. But doing so feels a lot like, it's not my problem you were poor and it doesn't sit well with most people who look up to you. And noting this was for any influencers wondering why, but we all tested negative isn't a good enough answer. Personally, I think Christine nails it there. It also kind of is an example of why she's still one of my favorite creators. Massive success and fame, unlike a lot of people it touches, where it makes someone think that, you know, I'm different than regular people or I'm better than other people. It makes her more careful with what she does because she has a platform. Yeah, maybe that's how I'm gonna end this story. Don't be a Kendall. Pia Christine. The last thing that I'll talk about today is election news, though it is specifically about California, but also at the same time not. I'll explain. So in California, in addition to voting on every 
thing else, we are voting on Proposition 22. And while it is only on the ballot in one state, it could have massive implications for gig workers across the country. Right, so if you don't know, Prop 22 exempts app-based rideshare and delivery companies from providing certain workers with benefits. And the way it's attempting to do this is by classifying drivers as independent contractors instead of employees. And for some context here, California last year passed a law called AB5, which required gig workers to be treated as employees. And so essentially what Prop 22 wants to do is carve out an exception for major rideshare and similar companies. So a yes vote on Prop 22 means that you support them being independent contractors. And with that, supporters of the prop say drivers are given flexibility about when, where, and how often they work, but not given standard benefits. Supporters also saying that rideshare and delivery prices could see spikes if it is voted against. And a no vote on Prop 22 means that you think that these drivers should be hired as employees, giving them standard benefits like better access to health insurance and sick leave, though potentially given less flexibility. With opponents of Prop 22 saying that companies like Uber and Lyft and others should not be able to exploit their drivers and deny them their rights and protections. But also understand this is the most simple explanation of the prop and it has become extremely controversial in California. And with this proposition, major rideshare companies are fighting hard. With Politico reporting that over $200 million has been spent to campaign for Prop 22 and saying that virtually all that money has come from five companies trying to keep their contractor-based models, Uber, Lyft, Postmates, Instacart, and DoorDash. Whereas opponents have raised just around $20 million. And that massive difference in war chest is also the reason why those yes on 22 ads have been all over the place in California. Saying that it'll actually save jobs, protect independent work, and provide drivers with benefits like guaranteed minimum earnings. Though that minimum earnings claim has seen a lot of pushback because many people have pointed out that those earnings only come in when drivers are actively working on route, not while they are waiting. Which means that per every hour a driver is logged into the app, they're barely making half the state minimum wage. And many of these ads make one big claim, and that is that app-based drivers support the measure by a margin of four to one, which is huge and notable if true, but this stat has also been called into question. And in fact, according to the Sacramento Bee, it is true, but only in part, because apparently they are citing a poll from a blog called Rideshare Guy, as well as other polls commissioned by Uber. And those do show that 70 to 80% of drivers support Prop 22. But they also note that the poll is not scientific and that the survey was only done by those who signed up for the site's email newsletter, not a random sampling of drivers. With critics also saying that Uber's poll asked slanted questions that may have pushed the results. Also, a thing that's been called into question are the companies pressuring their employees into supporting Prop 22. For example, you actually had drivers sue Uber for asking them to support Prop 22 with them seeing constant messages in their apps while driving. Though, to note, a judge did say Uber is allowed to push those messages. And actually, regarding this, over the weekend we saw an engineer at Uber, Eddie Hernandez, writing a piece about why he left the company and noting the pressure that they were putting on employees when it comes to this proposition. With Hernandez saying that he disagrees with Prop 22, calling it selfish and saying, although Uber claimed that people overwhelmingly supported the proposition, it seemed to me that some of that support was manufactured by the campaign's massive outspending compared to Prop 22's opponents. And about the pressure people faced at the company, he noted, inside the company, pushing back against Prop 22 was like trying to stop a bullet. Leadership made it a company-wide initiative, which meant that Prop 22 was part of an employee's performance and promotion reviews. How well did you execute on yes on Prop 22? UX, writers, designers, developers, marketing, and policy folks were expected to aim all their efforts at getting a yes on Prop 22. Also on top of that, internal messaging communicated an expectation of loyalty toward Uber above all else. Unlike drivers, I did not have to deal with constant in-app pop-ups asking me to commit myself to voting yes on Prop 22. But if I, as an engineer with considerable power, influence, and access to Uber leadership felt coerced into silence about Prop 22, 
how did drivers feel? And once again, I am talking about all of this because this is not just a statewide issue. This could set a precedent for the whole country. Places like CBS News noting that if Prop 22 passes, other companies will likely try to make their employees into contractors to save money. And in addition to that, you have people like New York Times writer Kate Conger also saying, no matter the outcome of Proposition 22, it's just the beginning of what I think will become a national debate over regulating gig work. Companies like Uber and Lyft are already beginning to lobby for similar changes at the federal level. Also hitting a key point with, it also raises questions about how traditional employers will manage their workforces in the future. Will we see employers shift their employees to a gig work model in order to take advantage of the reduction in costs that Uber and Lyft have long enjoyed? And keep in mind, none of this is happening inside of a bubble. We are still dealing with a pandemic and while recently net employment gains are there, we are also seeing, and this is important, increasingly larger numbers as it pertains to permanent job losses, which is a reality that could probably be used by both supporters and opponents of Prop 22. Right? More people need opportunities, but also more people need support. And actually, regarding what we should expect, well, uh, according to a poll from UC Berkeley last week, it showed that 46% of voters were voting yes, 42% were voting no, and 12% were undecided. So it, it is a tight race and it's gonna be an interesting one to watch. And so uh, with all that said, I do wanna pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts on this? And actually, also, if you are a driver or an app-based worker, what do you think about Prop 22? Do you support it? Do you oppose it? Why, why not? I'd love to hear from you. Because the results here very likely will impact the jobs of millions and millions of people. And that is where I'm going to end today's show. As always, thanks for being a part of my daily dives into the news. Also, if you're new here, you wanna join the family, or maybe just check out a few more videos, be sure to hit that subscribe button. And hey, I always recommend text me at 813-213-4423. Promise I will not send you feet pics. Probably. But with that said, of course, as always, my name is Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow. Who tomorrow?